Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. This month, we're celebrating Insurance Awareness Month, and we're going to deal with different insurance topics in order to show you how to protect you, your life's work, and everything that you've been working for. As we're looking at this month, last month in particular, they had Disability Awareness Month, which our guest this week is Richard Pasek. He is CLUCHFC. He's Vice President Disability Income Specialist at CNA Financial Group. So I'd like to welcome Richard to our show. Richard, it's a pleasure to have you with us this week. Well, thank you, Frank. It's nice to be here. So, Rich, when we start talking about disability insurance, you know, one of the things we always talk to people about is that we really believe that outside of your faith, you are your best asset. And when I say you are your best asset is your ability to earn, to make a a difference in society, stewardship, everything about you is really your best asset. And when we look at it from a financial standpoint, your earnings and your income is significant, and it could be significant. You know, if I were to take someone who starts out their career, you know, we have a lot of people that just graduated college, and congratulations, Rich. Rich just had his daughter just graduated medical school. So, well, thank Rich, you. congratulations. Yes. Got a long road, but that's good. She got that part out of the way. You know, it's one of those, the end is near, yeah. it's, it's here. So, Rich, great job. But, you know, when we look at that and we have someone who's starting out in their career and say they're 23, 25 years old, and they may work for the next 40, 45 years, if their average earnings is $100,000 a year, you know, they start out lower, some points will be higher. But if it was an average of $100,000 a year, you're talking about people earning what? Millions, actually millions. And, and with that in mind is somebody that may start out in their career and if they get sick or hurt in any way and it prevented them from working, that's a fortune that they lose over their lifetime. That's true, Frank, but the problem is most people protect other assets, for example, their car. They'll insure their car. How much is a car worth? Twenty, twenty-five thousand bucks, maybe thirty thousand, whatever. They'll insure their home, a couple hundred thousand dollars. They'll insure health care, yes, but many people don't insure their income, which is clearly their biggest asset. If it wasn't for their income, they wouldn't own any of those assets. So it is like it's it's the key. You know, it's the cog in the wheel that makes everything else actually work yes. when you look at it. So when we think about that, let's talk about, you know, in the event that someone should get sick or hurt, what actually happens? Because I know people think, well, I've got, you know, I got workers' compensation. So let's highlight a few of these different areas. Let's talk about what's good about them, what's bad about them, and then we'll talk about what people should be doing. So with that in mind, Let's say that you know someone's here and they say, Rich, you know what? I know that I'm going to earn X amount over my lifetime. If I get sick or hurt, I'll just go on workers' comp. Yeah, many people have um, a false idea that they're protected by their employer. And the problem is the first thing they'll say is workman's comp or group benefits or Social Security, whatever. Let's take one at a time. Workman's comp is protection if an injury or illness should occur on the job. And in most cases, let's face it, it's not. Right. And, and the old days where I used to hear the people saying, well, you know, I'll just have my wife throw me in the car and drop me off at the job and so forth. And we'll say it happened there. I think the insurance companies have gotten smart over the years. And I don't think that happens yeah. quite as much, hopefully. Yeah, Frank, I call that the bungee cord insurance. So if something happens, they have a heart attack at home, strap them to the bumper with the bungee cord, bring them to work and say it happened over in Walmart, wherever they work. <laughs> there you go. It just doesn't work that way. You're right. How about with regard to uh, state disabilities to say, hey, you know what? The state will take care of me. 
Well, it's true. State does have a disability. We pay it on our paychecks. Uh, state disability is the same as the unemployment fund. Uh, the problem is it's very res- restrictive. It pays after a seven-day elimination period, so it pays very soon. But I think it's a little over $520 per week. The problem is it stops after six months. So it's a taxable benefit that may pay about thirteen or $14,000 over that six months. Not a lot of money. And, and it's interesting when you just said that too, Rich, is if someone's earning $400 a week, it's not 500 a week. It's 60% typically. Yeah, that's correct, yes. From what I understood, it's 60% up to 500 mm-hmm. something dollars a week. So I think it's about 50000 per annual earnings at their max dial. So if anybody makes above 50000 they're only getting a slice of that. Got it. So let's go to the next one, Social Security. And when we think in terms of Social Security, you know, there is a Social Security disability benefit. Maybe you could take a few minutes and explain for our listeners, what does Social Security disability do? Social Security, the amount of the benefit depends on how many working quarters a person has paid into the system, and they do have a disability plan. If a person is disabled, they can, cl- they can apply six months after being disabled, or collect after six months being disabled, but the definition is very restrictive. It's a total disability occupation, meaning they cannot perform any occupation anywhere and they have to be totally disabled or the disability has to result in death and it has to be viewed as lasting at least a one-year period. And then they may collect and the maximum benefit, depending on, on beneficiaries, children, and, and how much the earnings is, it, well, it's not that high. It's probably around $3,000 per month, roughly, the, one I, the ones I've seen. Very good. And, you know, what's interesting is, is the stress of just having to apply and go through the process of getting some of these benefits. I mean, you and I both dealt with clients over the years and having to go back and forth, applying, wondering if they're going to do it, if they deny you the first time, having to engage an attorney to get them to help you, you know, get your, your claim moving forward or whatever needs to be done. Sometimes it really does take work, and it creates more stress in oh, the yeah. situation. And they give up a lot of benefits when they go to the attorney to collect. That's true. Yeah. They don't do it for nothing is what you're saying. They don't, and the problem is you got to be really severely disabled. The first time around, according to the disabilitycanhappen.org uh, website, it's a disability awareness website, that 70% of those who apply for Social Security decline the first time. Ultimately, a little over 50 or 51% ultimately collect. The other 49% are declined permanently. That's a big number. Yeah, they never collect. They so, think it's a false sense of security. It so really let, is. let's go to the, the next, um, I won't say myth, but opportunity that perhaps somebody might have some coverage. And they say, well, doesn't my employer cover me? Am I not covered through my employment somewhere? Yeah, many times I'll, I'll ask a client or somebody I just met, you know, what do you have for the area of disability? And they'll say, I think I have it through work. And I'll pry them for questions, you know, how it works and so on. And, Frank, mostly, no, most people don't know how it works, how much the benefit is, and how, what the definitions are. So I get the employer booklet, and is it some restrictions there? Well, you know, as you're saying that too, Rich, I mean, one of the things is one of the areas of expertise that I have is I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, one of the books that I have out is An Entrepreneur's Guide to Responsible Wealth. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is is that a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet, you know, if they've got five employees, 10 employees, 25 or whatever, most small employers, I don't see that they even have a group disability plan. I see it with the larger employers, you know, 25, 50, 100 or more, but not with the smaller. Rich, do you, are you seeing the same thing? 
Yeah, Frank, th- think of just the cost of health insurance. And a small employer doesn't want to offer anything else. So they, what, what happens years ago, they offered dental and disability and right. group life and, of course, health insurance. They cut back on all those benefits. Very few small employers offer it. Some of the professional offices, doctors typically, but not, not really, not so, much at all. So what you're saying is, is that kind of white-collar specialty area, you know, it's like your daughter just, you know, completing uh, medical school. They're actually educated on disability insurance when they're in school, correct? That they should get it? Oh, yeah, they're told to buy it. And, and you know, you can't buy enough when you're a doctor. They, they can't get enough. That's the bottom line. They're restricted as far as maximum benefits being $17,000 per month. And most of them would buy more if they had, you know, if they have the earnings. And, and, it's in, and the reason why I bring that up is because the exposure that the public has to what they should be doing is pro- in protecting themselves and their income as their best asset is really very limited. There's not a lot of people out there that are having this discussion and this you know, conversation. We, we have a joke in the business, Frank. Most agents can't spell D-I. Never mind sell it. <laughs> it's just funny, but I'll see many people that had some fine work done by other planners, and I look, and they're not protected for disability or not adequately protected. It wasn't reviewed and, when their income went up. You know, and in the business, you know, doing you know, the complete type of planning that we do at our firm, you know, we refer to it as, you know, the living death, which is, you know, life insurance is one thing. And that actually for our listeners, we'll be talking about that on next week's show. But as it relates to, you know, life insurance, that person is gone. The people then move on. And, you know, hopefully there's a life insurance benefit. There's things, they're transition. The catch with disability insurance is, is that you're here and nine times out of 10, it's not that your expenses went down and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. You know, you have deductibles, co-payments. You have your expenses, nine times out of ten, probably went up. Not to mention that your spouse or somebody may have to have care for you in addition. So anyway. it's, it's a very stressful time. I mean, I've seen it, you know, in the past. I remember, you know, my dad uh, had Lou Gehrig's disease. And I remember when he had first gotten sick and then how devastating that was to, to see what happens and then, you know, the financial pressures. And, you know, a lot of people, they look, as, it's not me. It's always the other guy. And the reality is, is that there's a high percentage of the population that actually will suffer some form of disability at some point or another. That's true. Frank, I, I, the first part when I talk to clients is I have them realize that there is a possibility of disability. And I usually direct them to that disability awareness website, disabilitycanhappen.org. And they see the probabilities of a disability happening. Most younger people think it's going to be from an accident. In reality, it's from a sickness, even on younger people. That's an interesting point. Isn't that something? Yeah. And and I I don't know what the statistic is offhand, Rich. I know it's pretty high. It's over 30-some-odd percent will have it. And, you know, and I always would go to a meeting, and someone would say, okay, I want you to stand up. I want you to look to the person to the left, look to the person to the right. One of the three of you are going to suffer at least a six-month disability at or something. one some time point. or another between that age and age 65 or retirement. And, and, and that's significant, you know, when you think in terms of that. So as we're talking about the different sources that are available to protect people, you know, we come into that group benefit, and, you know, we just mentioned on the smaller side, smaller employers often don't even have it. And on the larger employers, they do have it, but there are some restrictions with it. I mean, there's pros and cons to the larger employer and their group disability. Rich, why don't you take a few minutes and just highlight that for our listeners? Okay. Uh, many times I'll meet somebody who works for a larger company, and they have group disability. Well, the good thing about it is it's usually paid by the employer, so free. 
free is always good. If it's for free, it's for me. Yeah, there you go. Free is good. However, there are some. It comes come with the restrictions. The first restriction are it's go. If it is free and paid by your employer, it certainly is taxable when received. So, in other words, if someone and typically it doesn't pay a hundred percent of pay. Well, let's talk that next. Let's talk about the first. The first reduction is Uncle Sam steps in and says, "Whoa, you're getting three thousand a month. I want my uh, eight hundred dollars or whatever they're going to take." So the same way that somebody's pay is fully taxable as ordinary income, if they get a disability benefit paid for by, by the their employer, employer yes. that disability pay, payment to them is also taxable as ordinary income. That's correct. So in, let's in, stay with that. Okay, now. In, so the first thing is that we have a reduction that way. The, the second thing is we're never insuring or no company, even group or personal, is going to insure dollar for dollar or, or 100% of income. They typically insure about 60%, give or take, 50, 60, sometimes 65%. Why do they do that, Rich? We didn't want to make it too easy to stay disabled. Just think if they're going to pay 100%, Frank. Who's going to go back to work? You got it. So they don't want, they don't want to give, put, send you on a permanent vacation. Nope, that's for sure. So they want to make it a little tight. So typically, a person that's going to receive about 60% of income taxable, the net taxable result or ta- after-tax result will be about 38% of income. So if I said to you, if you made 5000 a month, now you're making about 2000 a month, are you Okay. You're no. making 5000 before. Can you save anything? Can you do the things you want? And typically, no. So disability does put a stress on, even if they have group plans. And also, so many people say, well, I also will collect Social Security. Most group plans are integrated with other benefits being paid or, and are reduced by any other benefits such as Social Security or even Workman's Comp or whatever. So it may be reduced dollar for dollar if Social Security pays. Very good. And then, Rich, what about the fact that you – they don't make it real easy. Are the definitions a little restrictive even on group insurance sometimes? Oh, yes. Uh, the definition of disability could be what's called in the, in the business ONOC or, or own occupation, inability to perform the material and substantial duties of your occupation. And some will go on and even say, even if you are work in some other capacity, we would deem you disabled as long as you cannot work in your occupation. Group plans will have a window of time that's ONOC, maybe two years, five years, sometimes 10 years, and sometimes age 65, depending on how much the employer wanted to spend. Very good. And, and Rich, so if someone wanted to really protect themselves, okay, and this is one of the things we wanted to make sure our listeners give some thought in their overall planning, we would encourage them to, one, understand what you have, understand what will or will not pay. That's why I ask you the questions that I do. And then outside of that, we do recommend that if they are eligible based upon their type of employment, because not everybody can get disability insurance, but if based upon if they can get it, if they're in an occupation that they can get individual disability coverage, what should they be looking for? Individuals that either have group or not should look at their plans because many times there's holes in their group. It may not cover commissions. It may not cover bonuses. It may not even cover, maybe capped out, may not even cover their full salary. So we want to look at something that will supplement that possibly. And what they should be looking at is privately owned disability. That's what's called non-CAN, guaranteed renewable. In the business, that means the premiums can never be changed or any benefits can ever be canceled within the product. So we want that. We want ONOC if we can. And we want at least age 65 or 67 benefits. So as we're wrapping up our show this week, it sounds like know what you have in coverage. Do you have group? Do you not have group? Don't count solely on the government programs. You can't bet it's going to happen at work, so don't count on workers' comp. 
And if you can, it would be in your best interest for our listeners to look into an individual plan that is based upon what Rich said, those, some of those key features, again, which is ONOC, correct, ONOC, Rich? non-CAN, level, pre- level premiums, and pretty much at least age 65 benefits, so, so it doesn't stop after five years. And we'd like to add COLA, cost of living adjustment riders also, so they're all very important. And if I ask you if, if something happened, you got disabled, would you want the best coverage? And most people say yes. Very good. And the other thing I'm just going to mention is, is that you know, when our listeners are here in this show, I also recommend to them they should always know the financial condition of the company that they're dealing with because some of these claims could be substantial. You know, If you had a company that was paying you 3000 a month, 5000 a month, and they pay for 20, 30 years, they're a big number. You want to make sure the company's financially in good shape. Oh, absolutely, yes. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Our guest today, again, Richard Pasek, Disability Income Specialist at CNA Financial Group. If you have questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at ifrw.com. Thank you and have a blessed week.